Chapter Twenty Six of Finn the Wolfhound by Alec John Dawson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Six: The Pack and Its Masters. When Finn took up his abode in the den of his mate Warrigal, he entered what was to him an entirely new world, and this new world was in fact one of the most interesting corners of the wild in all Australia. For example when finn and warrigal tired of their play on the flat ledge outside their den the moon had set and in the eastern sky there was visible the first grey hint of coming dawn in that strange ghostly light which gave a certain cloak of mystery even to such common objects as tree stumps and boulders of rock finn saw two unfamiliar figures emerge from the scrub below the spur next that of warrigal's den and began slowly to climb toward mount desolation itself there was a deep steep-sided gully between finn and these strange figures but even at that distance the wolfhound was conscious of a strong sense of hostility toward the creatures he watched their scent had not reached him because the spur they climbed was to leeward yet his hackles rose as he gazed at the ghostly figures whose shapes loomed huge and threatening against the violet-gray skyline the wolfhound and his mate were just about to enter their den and finn touched warrigal with his muzzle pointing meaningly at the strangers warrigal looked and though her shoulder hairs did not rise at all her lips curled backward a little from white fangs as she indicated that these figures were perfectly well known to her the foremost of them was of great length and bulk low to the ground and a savage in every line of his massive frame his tail carried without any curve in it was smooth and tapering like a rat's tail his chest was of immense depth and his truncated muzzle was carried high jaws slightly parted long yellow tusks exposed in general outline he was not unlike a hyena but with more of strength and fleetness in his general make-up more perhaps of the suggestion of a great wolf with an unusually savage-looking head and an abnormally massive shoulder from spine to flank on either side the strange creature was striped like a zebra the ground colour of his coat being a light yellowish grey and the stripes black this was old tasman the zebra wolf who had been turned loose in that countryside six years before with a mate of his species who had died during the first year of their life in the tinnabura behind tasman burdened with the weight of a fat wallaby which he dragged over one shoulder marched lupus his son now almost four years old and the acknowledged master of mount desolation lupus had none of his sire's stripes and his tail though not so bushy as a dingo's was well covered with hair he was longer in the muzzle and more shapely in the loin than his father lupus in fact was a half-bred dingo differing from other dingoes of the mount desolation pack only inasmuch as that he was greater than the rest more massive in trunk and shoulder more terrible in tooth and claw his feet were weapons almost as deadly as a bear's feet by which i mean the feet of the northern and western bear and not those of inoffensive koala his loins and thighs were those of a fleet runner and his forepart in every hair of it was that of a killer tasman was feared on that range rather as a tradition than as a killer lupus was feared and obeyed as an actual living ruler 
it was many months since warrigal had seen the old wolf tasman but lupus was abroad every night of his life also his eyes unlike those of his terrible old sire could face the daylight all the wild folk knew that tasman was like an owl by day light actually hurt him lupus was not fond of the light but he could endure well enough and kill by it if need be as was well known he still shared with his savage old sire the den in which he had been born deep in the heart of mount desolation and it was stated among the wild folk that he had killed his own mother towards the end of his first year of life and that he and tasman had devoured her body during a season of drought and poor hunting be that as it may her blood had given lupus his rating in the mount desolation country as a dingo and his own prowess and ferocity had given him his unquestioned rank as leader and master of the pack he had never openly preyed upon the pack but he had killed a round half-dozen of its members who dared to thwart him at different times and the manner of their killing had been such as to form material for ghastly anecdotes with which the mothers of that range frightened their offspring into good and careful behaviour it was supposed that tasman did not hunt now and that lupus hunted for him but venturesome creatures of the wild who had dared to climb the upper slopes of mount desolation claimed to have seen tasman foraging there after insects and grubs and as for lupus his hunting was sufficiently well known to all on the lower ground and in the meantime though tasman was credited with very great age there was no creature in that countryside who would have dared to face the old wolf alone it was not very much of all this that warrigal managed to convey to her mate as they stared out through the grey mist at these strange creatures but finn was profoundly and resentfully impressed by what he did gather from her the shuddering way in which she wriggled her shoulders and shook her bushy coat before turning into the den for rest after their long play in the moonlight told finn a great deal and it was information which he never forgot it did not seem fitting to the great wolfhound that his brave lissom mate should be moved to precisely that shuddering kind of shoulder movement by the sight of any living thing and now before following her into the den he stepped well forward to the edge of the flat rock and barked fierce defiance in the direction of old tasman and his redoubtable son lupus dropped his burden in sheer amazement and father and son both faced round in finn's direction and glared at him across the intervening ravine it was a fine picture they saw through the ghostly misty grey half-light which already was getting too strong for tasman's eyes over which the nictitating membrane was being drawn nervously to and fro as a mark of irritation finn was standing royally erect at the extreme edge of his flat table of rock from which the side of the gully sloped precipitately his tail curved grandly out behind him carried high like his massive head that head was more than fourteen inches long and when as now its jaws were parted to the expression of anger and defiance and all its wealth of brows and beard were bristling like the hair of the grandly curving neck behind it and of the massive shoulders thirty-six inches above the ground which supported that neck the sight of it was awe-inspiring and a far more formidable picture than any dingo in the world could possibly present 
tasman and lupus glared at this picture for fully two minutes while themselves emitting a continuous snarling growl of singular concentrated intensity and ferocity this savage snarl was not the least among their weapons of offence and defence its ferocity was very cowing in effect and had before now gone more than halfway towards deciding a combat it introduced something not unlike paralysis into the muscles and limbs of the lesser creatures of the bush when they heard it in hunting it might almost be said to have played the part of a first blow and a deadly one at that on this occasion it merely served to add wrath and fierceness and volume to the roar of finn's deep bay as the light in the east strengthened old tasman's eyes blinked furiously and his snarl died down to a savagely irritable grunt as he turned again to the mountain lupus bent his head still snarling to pick up his heavy kill and together the two trailed off up the mountain side to their den full of angry bitterness they had not eaten since the small hours of the previous day and both were anxious to reach the twilight shelter of their stony mountain den where they would feed before sleeping among the whitened mouldering bones that told of six long years of hunting and lordship bones which probably included those of lupus's own dam no creature of that range other than themselves had ever seen the inside of this den and lived no man had ever set his foot there for the climbing of mount desolation was a thankless task for all save such as tasman and lupus who liked its naked ruggedness and its commanding inaccessibility high above the loftiest of the caves inhabited by other wild folk of the countryside barking fiercely at intervals finn watched the savage lords of mount desolation ascending till their forms were lost among the crevices and boulders of the hillside and then with a final far-reaching roar he turned and entered the den where warrigal sat waiting for him and softly growling a response to his war-cries this defiance of the admitted lords of the range was not altogether without its ground of alarm for warrigal its utter recklessness made the skin over her shoulders twitch but it was something to have a mate who could dare so much even in ignorance long after finn had closed his eyes in sleep warrigal lay watching him with a queer light of pride and admiring devotion in her wild yellow eyes the afternoon was well advanced when finn and warrigal finally sallied forth from their den in quest of food though in between short sleeps they had lounged about in the vicinity of the den several times during the morning and finn had accustomed himself to the bearings of his new home and taken in the general lie of the land thereabouts now before they crossed the patch of starveling bush that skirted the foot of their particular ridge they were approached by black tip and two friends of his who were also preparing for the evening hunt warrigal growled warningly as the three dingoes approached but it seemed that black tip had spread abroad news of the coming of the wolfhound in such a manner as to disarm hostility it was with the most exaggerated respectfulness that the dingoes circled sniffing about finn's legs their bushy tails carried deferentially near the ground seeing the friendliness of their intentions finn wagged his tail at them whereat they all leaped from him in sudden alarm as though he had snapped finn's jaws parted in amusement 
and his great tail continued to wag while he gave friendly greetings through his nostrils and made it quite clear that he entertained no hostile feeling toward his mate's kindred after this the dingoes took heart of grace and there was a general all-around sniffing which occupied fully ten minutes finn stood quite still his magnificent body erect and stretched to its full length occasionally he lowered his head condescendingly to take a sniff at one or other of the dingoes who were employed in gravely circling about him as though to familiarize themselves with every aspect of his anatomy with eyes and noses all busy during this time warrigal sat a little to one side her face wearing an elaborately assumed expression of aloofness of lofty unconsciousness and of some disdain finally the whole five of them trotted off into the bush and then it was noticeable that warrigal clung closely to finn's near side if any small accident of the trail caused a change in the position of the dingoes finn instantly dropped back a pace or two and a quick look from him was sufficient to send the straying dingo back to his place on the wolfhound's offside there was no talk about it but from the beginning it was clearly understood first that finn was absolutely master there and secondly that place on his near side was strictly reserved for his mate and for his mate only that no creature might approach her except through him the manner in which finn's will in this matter was recognized and respected was very striking indeed it meant much for from the point of view of the three dingoes warrigal appeared at that time in the light of an exceedingly desirable mate and one for whose favour the three of them would assuredly have fought to the last gasp that night but for the dominating presence of the great wolfhound finn appeared to lead the hunting party but its real leader that evening was warrigal who had taken note on the previous day of the exact whereabouts of a big mother kangaroo she now desired two things a good supper and an opportunity of displaying before the three dingoes the fighting prowess of her lord black tip had had his lesson as various open wounds on his body then testified but it was as well that his friends should see something of finn's might for themselves apart from the information they had clearly received that was how warrigal thought of it and she knew a good deal about mother kangaroos as well as dingoes she knew for instance that they were more feared by dingoes than the old men of their species and that even with the assistance of his two friends and herself black tip would not have thought of attacking such prey while there were lesser creatures in plenty to be hunted in due course warrigal winded the mother kangaroo and conveyed instant warning to finn and the others by a sudden checking of her pace silent as wraiths between the shadowy tree-trunks then finn and the four dingoes stalked their prey describing a considerable circle in order to approach from good cover to warrigal's keen disappointment they found as they topped a little scrub-covered ridge that the mother kangaroo was feeding with a mob of seven under the guidance of a big red old man then she conceived the bold plan of cutting out the mother kangaroo from the mob and trusting to finn to pull her down this plan she conveyed to her fellow hunters by means of that telepathic method of communication which is as yet little comprehended by men-folk 
one quick look and thrust of her muzzle asked finn to play his independent part and another flung with apparent carelessness across her right shoulder bade the three dingoes follow her in the work of cutting out it was a careful silent stalk until the hunters were within ten yards of the quarry and then with a terrifying yowl of triumph a living rope of dingoes four of them nose to tail was flung between the big mother kangaroo and the rest of the mob the red old man gave one panic-smitten look round his flock and then they were off like the wind in big twenty-foot bounds but the mother could not bring herself to leap in their direction by reason of the yowling streak of snapping dingoes which had flung itself between them she sprang off at a tangent and as she made her seventh or eighth bound terror filled her heart almost to bursting as a roaring gray cloud swept upon her from her right quarter and she felt the burning thrust of finn's fangs in her neck she sat up valiantly to fight for her life and the young life in her pouch and her left hind leg with its chisel claws sawed the air like a pump-handle the dingoes knew that it would be death for one or two of them at all events to face those out-thrust chisels they surrounded the big beast in a snarling yowling circle and gnashed their white fangs together with a view to establishing the paralysis of terror but they did not advance as yet finn slipped once when he tried to take fresh hold and in that instant the kangaroo slashed him deeply in the groin but the wound was her own death warrant for it filled the wolfhound with fighting rage and in another instant there was a broken neck between his mighty jaws and warm blood was running over the red-brown fur of the kangaroo as her body fell sideways with finn upon it the three other dingoes approached the kill with warrigal but she snarled at them and a swift turn of finn's head told them to beware in the end warrigal settled down to make a meal at one side of the kangaroo's hindquarters finn took the other side and the three dingoes were given their will of the forepart there was more than enough for all and though when they left the kill to the lesser carnivora of that quarter finn carried a good meal with him between his jaws it was not that he needed it for himself but that he wished to place it in the den at warrigal's disposal a little attention which earned for him various marks of his mate's cordial approval she was extremely pleased to have this evidence of finn's forethoughtfulness as a breadwinner instinct told her the value and importance of this quality in a mate and while she carefully dressed the wound in her lord's groin that night black tip and his friends with much chop-licking spread abroad the story of their glorious hunting and of finn's might as a killer they vowed that a more terrible fighter and a greater master than lupus or than his even more terrible sire whom few of them had seen had come to mount desolation and old dingoes shook their grey heads feeling that they lived in strange and troublous times but as for lupus he was ranging the trails at that moment on an empty stomach in savage quest of no other than this same stranger who had dared to defy him and challenge his hitherto unquestioned mastery over the dingoes and lesser wild folk of that range End of chapter twenty six